Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today joining me to talk about Psalm 60 is Olivia Giles. I so appreciate Olivia's wisdom in this episode. I'm sure you will too, as we talk about what we classify early on as a bit of a strange psalm that is talking about circumstances that feel so far distant. But as we talk more and more, we hear in it an invitation to come to God with our truly helpless selves, to be dependent on Him, the grace of His promises to us. I really enjoyed this conversation. It made me think about Psalm 60 in fresh and new ways, and I hope it does for you too. Well, to get us started, here's Olivia reading Psalm 60. Oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry, now restore us. You have caused the land to quake, you have torn it open. Repair the cracks in it, for it is tottering. You have made your people suffer hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us real. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, to rally to it out of bowshot. Give victory with your right hand and answer us, so that those whom you love may be rescued. God has promised in his sanctuary, with exaltation I shall divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. On Edom I hurl my shoe. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for human help is worthless. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Olivia, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be back for a third time. Third time. There's no... I don't have... A prize. Up any prize. Shoot. Yeah, that's too bad. I, maybe I should make Curious Psalms like I, I think of the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts where you get little badges for each... Oh, I like eight, it. Like three episodes and sort of yeah. little three mics or something on there. I mean... I'm not saying I want incentives to talk about the songs, <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. Okay. Well, that's something I'll keep in mind. Yeah. Maybe maybe the first person to reach 10 episodes recorded gets Ooh. a badge. I don't think there's anyone who's done that yet. It could still be you, Olivia. Okay. <laughs> well, Psalm 60, thanks, thanks for reading it. Shall we dive in with our questions? Sure. All right. Question number one. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, I hate to say it, but it seems kind of like a strange psalm to me <laughs> in some ways. I don't know. I, I'm i wondering if it's hard to tell a little bit what stands out about who God is, because in some ways, I think the psalmist has got like, like what they're saying about God may or may not actually be true. Like it mm. talks about, in, you know, verse one, it's saying, God, you have rejected us. And yeah, I believe God does not reject his people so i don't know it's it's a little bit i think in some ways it's obscured i i could say that god does allow this space where his people like can be mad at him and like not necessarily understand what he's going through and he's still like that's important for my people to know that like that's probably a pretty common experience like god is a god that's not like maybe not sensitive to criticism if that makes sense. <laughs> say, say more about it. 
<laughs> like he can handle criticism. That's what yeah, in a strange way, like the fact that like God is like, this is my word, this is my Bible. By the way, there's a whole lot of Psalms mm. in here that heavily criticize the way that I deal with my people. And yet God is like, no, I actually think that's important. People read that. Yeah. Not because I think their criticism is justified, but God's like, no, there's there's space for you to be confused about what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's what stands out to me initially. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Okay. That, that's the question. I love your I love your classifying this as a strange psalm. <laughs> and I don't know who has the authority to do this, but someone to go through. And you know how there's like category of psalms? There's like lament psalms, yeah. psalms of praise. <laughs> I then want this other category, which I think all of us feel of strange psalm. <laughs> because one of the interesting things even for me about doing this project is like, you kind of start and you have this vision of the Psalms, you know, and you enter Psalm 1 and you're like, okay, I know Psalm 1, Psalm 2 even, okay, that's kind of familiar, almost this messianics. And then you start you start going along and you're like, there's not as many Psalms like Psalm 23 mm-hmm. as I thought. And like yeah. you start going and you're like, there's a lot of strange Psalms. <laughs> I feel like even some of my more recent conversations with Libby and I even think uh, with Nathan, your husband, mm-hmm. has been like, okay, there's some head scratchers here. And mm-hmm. here we are again at another... Yeah, there's some interesting bits and pieces to this psalm. Yeah. For sure. So anyway, all that to say, affirming you and as we come to the psalms, it's not always just straight sort of take up and pray. Sometimes there's Mm -hmm. take up, reflect, and then we'll talk about praying at the end of a conversation. (laughs) Sure. The thing that stood out to me in addition to it being kind of an interesting psalm and feeling like it's saying like three or four different things Mm -hmm. at once was just verse 11 for some reason. This for human help is worthless. And it was just interesting to me that the psalmist doesn't call for the rallying of armies, which seems to be almost like what they need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're yeah. kind of under attack. I was thinking about Lord of the Rings and the, like Helm's Deep, Here Comes Gandalf. Mm-hmm. I, I did a little research in the book and the movie. It's different people that he brings. But the point is, is. he's bringing people <laughs> as like, isn't that what the psalmist needs? Like just like literally, sometimes you just need more people. And mm-hmm. for the psalmist to go so extreme as to say, you know, for human help is worthless. I was just like, okay, that's interesting. And how does that kind of play out in both who, who the psalmist presenting God as and then what we pray. So maybe we can move to that next question because we started talking about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but how, how do we encounter God or what do we learn about God from this Psalm? You know, it's, yeah, it is interesting because you get verse 12 then with, with God, we shall do valiantly. It is he yes. who will tread down our foes. You know, it's right after verse 11 that you talked about. Yeah. There's still this kind of like unwavering sense for the Psalmist to be like, no, 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 I still trust God is the answer to this instead yeah. of, and I mean, I, maybe I'm kind of flipping them where like this is more revelatory about the psalmist's view of God, but like hmm. they s- still believe that God is is the answer to their situation that they're yeah. in, even though they very much are upset with the way that he's handled things to this point. And so I don't know if that has to do with maybe the way that God has revealed himself to the psalmist in the past, that it has been so faithful and so powerful that they're like, nah, like it's still only going to be God that can handle it. Yeah. Or if it's just that we talk about this, actually, we've been talking about this a lot with our youth of this idea of like familiarity in relationship. And when you have that familiarity, even when things aren't going to plan, you still have that trust. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, I still believe you are the answer to this. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of flipped them. It is a little bit more about the psalmist, but maybe just about the fact that God has let himself 
be in relationship that is so familiar with the psalmist that that trust is maintained. Yeah. One of my notes that I had down is this is like a covenantal psalm in like some ways, like because that opening, like you said, you have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. Like in some sense, if God's rejected you, aren't you aren't you just done? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it over? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what are you doing praying the rest of the psalm? But I think you're right. The, the point is that there's a trust relationship, a covenant relationship here, mm-hmm. such that the psalmist can even say, even though we've experienced some form of rejection or what we, what we have experienced feels like rejection, then we still know that you are faithful to your covenant. I, I find it interesting. So you've taken these kind of opening verses maybe one through four as kind of the psalmist being upset. Is that, is that right? Uh, I mean, upon initial reading. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what yeah. I'm asking. I'm not, I'm not saying right or wrong because I don't know what's right or wrong. I, I read it more as like a kind of almost a factual account, like mm-hmm. uh, which I, this might, as, as I read it again and as I am hearing kind of the way that you're reading it, I wonder if my reading is flowing kind of from recently being in Jeremiah for a sermon I was preaching mm-hmm. Where like there's lots of judgment because of the breaking of the covenant. Yeah. So then here I came and I was like, oh yeah, of course they've broken the covenant. But the title of the psalm is actually suggests that it's a psalm of David well before Jeremiah. So I'm processing kind of out loud here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like what if the psalmist, yeah, is like irritated <laughs> with God, which is a very different tonal yeah. shift. Well, I mean, I think sometimes even just like the day that we approach a psalm, like, because yeah. there, I mean, in, in a week I could read it and be like, yeah, this is actually someone just like citing like breach of promise like uh-huh. this is a contract that has been broken but yeah. you still need to hold up your end like very like methodical this is what's happened you know almost just like a lawyer reading it yeah yeah, yeah. Like, okay and then there are other days that i'm like nah this is someone crying out in anguish mm. and saying god where are you why have you not done this and i don't know if that's a little too subjective but i think part of that is the beauty of the psalms that like it's not like oh everything is the right answer but also that we can approach it in different, maybe emotional or intellectual spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still see God very clearly being petitioned to and right. faithful. Yeah. I could not say it better myself, <laughs> Olivia, so I won't even try. One of the things that just struck me was how much is said about God mm-hmm. in this psalm. So we have that opening verse of like, there's something in this relationship between the psalmist and the God that and God that's gone awry. And it's not just the psalmist. It's clearly like the people, right? You have shown your people desperate times is what I have in verse three. You've given us us wine that makes us stagger, right? Then there is, there are some God loves and some he doesn't. It seems to be the implication of verse five. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love mm. may be delivered, which is pretty interesting. Then at the end, like the, then you have verses six through eight, which is like God, I think your language was promised, uh, my verse has just spoken, but I think in there, the translators are capturing something about the sureness of God's word going forth. But here you have this sense of like, he's claiming land. So there's a God who claims territory as belonging to him. And then there's the God who brings victory to a specific people. I'm just like, holy moly, there's so much about God in this psalm. As I like read this psalm, and then especially maybe this starts leading us to our third question and think about praying this. I find what you've named helpful of like, is the psalmist processing their relationship it does feel like also this has been a refrain of my recent conversations with the psalms that like as new testament people and as people who understand the people of god in kind of an expansive way than just sort of a national people Mm -hmm. like we interact with this in a different 
a slightly different way, what it means for God to bring us victory. Mm-hmm. Well, one way to put this is that we see victory sort of culminating in Jesus, and now we live out of that victory as opposed to, okay, God, today, let me crush my enemies, <laughs> my you enemies. know. But I was just struck by how many different things the psalm is saying about God. I think I think that that's a really good point, because in some ways, like, the more that you look at it, it's like, it's you them referring to God as you and it's talking about him and what he's done and what he said he will do. And, but it's almost like, I don't know, when I read it, sometimes it also sounds a little bit like them trying to make sure that they interpreted it right from the beginning of like, maybe what they see as God promising sanctuary or victory that may look very different than what God intends when he like has made those promises in the past. And so I think even that is, you know, maybe this does lead us into like our third question of like how as we like in a modern audience, like how can we look at this and, and go like, well, how does this help me pray? Like, how do I hold God to his promises if I'm not sure I'm interpreting what those promises are correctly? And I think that's a very real thing to grapple with to kind of navigate that space of like, okay, does it look like this very like victorious, like what is victory in the Christian life? And you've been talking about it on Sundays recently too, about like what blessings versus curses are. And in the kingdom of God, like what like today in the US, modern day, people would say what it looks like to live a blessed life looks Mm. very different than what the Bible would say a blessed life looks like. And so I don't know if there's some of that tension here as well of just the psalmist being like, ah, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I find that really insightful. I think the question definitely applies to us as modern Christians. But if you think about it, it would have also applied to ancient Jewish people. Yes. <laughs> because, like, God did not always grant victory Mm-mm. to his people. Like, the Bible tells us story after story of them losing <laughs> to yeah. people. And yet, this prayer would have been one of their prayers, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, I it feels like even just the fact that this becomes a psalm that is linked to a circumstance, but then transcends that, becomes sort of a regular prayer. It feels like it's a constant invitation into thinking, okay, what what does it mean for God to take possession of his land? What does it mean for God to grant victory? Because they were people who became exiled people. And it's like, okay, well, now what do we pray? Like, yeah. what does it mean that God didn't answer that prayer? What, did, what does it mean that God didn't answer Psalm 60 when we prayed it as Babylon was coming? to our gates right Mm -hmm. like i think that their answers might be different than our answers today but it just as you were saying that was like yeah of course like this is this is always the question when we when god's people have been praying these Mm -hmm. psalms is what what do these things actually look like for us yeah i think i think and i mean this makes sense like i would be tempted by this as well the idea that like when we have these like really victorious psalms we're like yes i can claim that over my life i Mm. can relate to it even though it's specifically talking about like ancient near eastern battles that are happening (laughs) we're like yes god will grant me victory but then when we have these psalms like psalm 60 where they're saying like i'm falling to my enemies god where are you like Mm -hmm. i thought you promised to give sanctuary in this we're like uh it's kind of unrelatable (laughs) (laughs) you know like oh that's about yeah that's interesting that's about you know people in the past and i think it's that like there's certain things where we're like oh yes definitely and other Uh things we're like oh not at all and and yet i think the psalms like they very evidently transcend time even if sometimes the language doesn't feel that way but that's 
purpose of curious Toms, i suppose that's, that's, that's right well <laughs> i i feel like we're talking we're moving towards our third question slash we're maybe already talking about it but for listeners who are taking notes at home <laughs> let me ask the third question and then we can talk about it more but how does this psalm help us then as modern christians to pray yeah what it brings to mind is like i had a i don't even know if she was a mentor or a pastor i can't even remember but i remember her talking about like the way that we should pray and she said, often we, you know, ask God to grant us certain things or to keep certain promises to us. And she said, sometimes it's just good if we reframe the language of that, because often when we can reframe our language, it does slowly over time reframe our hearts. And so she talked about this idea of, you know, instead of God, you know, give me success or give me victory. It was more like, God, help me learn what your victory looks like. God, mm. help me learn what that success looks like and then help me walk in it. But to kind of basically say, not only do, yes, of course I desire blessings. Yes, of course I desire sanctuary and success and all these things that any person would. Yeah. But at the same time, to always kind of marry that with this idea of God. But teach me what your version of that looks like. Because if I want my version, then I'm going to be constantly disappointed <laughs> and, and feel like God is constantly breaking promises to me yeah. that he actually never made. And so I can't say that I'm excellent at doing that all the time <laughs> but that definitely is something that this is a good reminder of of going like okay like i can identify with this psalmist being like confused and feeling a little bit like hey this doesn't seem right yeah but at the same time because they're like still communicating with god and still saying no but i still trust you can rescue us to be able to do that as well and be like i still know that you are in control of this situation help me to understand how that Mm. works because it doesn't feel like it's working yeah 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 so. the word that came to mind as you were talking about that and what i think we see in this psalm is a kind of resilience in prayer mm. like okay this doesn't look like what i would have prayed for <laughs> this doesn't look like what i want to pray for mm -hmm. and yet still okay what does it look like for me to pray in the midst of this mm -hmm. and the opening of the psalm right like you have rejected us god that that's some powerful that's really powerful language mm -hmm. to open a prayer to god with and whether this is expressing frustration for something that feels undeserved or whether it's naming a reality that is actually deserved and now it's a call <laughs> upon God for mercy, as we've mm -hmm. talked about, uh, there is regardless, I think, a real resilience. And I think Psalm 60, as we've talked, makes me think, oh, one of the ways it helps us to pray is it reminds us that even regardless of kind of how things, how our lives feels like it's matching with the things that we've asked for, there's an invitation. There's always an invitation to quickly turn to God, to kind of have a resilience uh, to turning to God, which is itself a grace, right? I don't think that's something we can sort of, oh, like, I'm just getting more and more resilient. I'm just better and better <laughs> at turning to God when I need to pray. I think it's very much sort of like that become resilience actually becomes a part of our prayer. Like, God, help me to turn to you, right? Mm -hmm. When we're in need, when I'm in need, when when I feel like my prayers aren't being answered, help me to continue to turn to you. And I think sometimes like even when we just bring our helpless selves to God in prayer hmm. instead of our infinitely capable <laughs> selves, yeah, which yeah. I think is my temptation, like that is something that I can often take pride in. Like I am capable at the very least I will get through this day. And you are welcome to supplement my efforts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, ac actually that's, you know, that's so often I think how we feel when we come to God in prayer. Of, like yeah. oh, help me to do this better, but I'm already doing like 98% of it. Rather than just like, God, like, 
I am I am helpless to do anything. Yeah. I am just completely just coming before you and saying it. It's got to be you or it's not going to happen. That can also be really valuable to do in prayer as well. But it, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, um, no, for sure not. Yeah, it feels like the opening, as you were just saying that, like, it reminds us to not take advantage of God's promises, mm. right? Like, there's this real sense of the psalmist is like, we need your help now. And we, like, it's like the psalmist recognizes, like, I can't presume on your promises because, and like, because there's this rejection that's happened and the, the ground is quaking beneath us. And I think sometimes it's so easy, especially when we're comf- relatively comfortable I think to presume on God's promises, right? Like, oh, you're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, a little help would be good. But Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like, I think I got those covered, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, mm-hmm. but I know you'll be there Tuesday, Thursday. So yeah, like that, that helplessness, that, that the invitation to helplessness, even in the psalm, I think, yeah, that's really helpful. Okay. See what I did there. <laughs> Olivia, any final, <laughs> final thoughts on Psalm 60? Any other psalms you want to add to the category of strange psalm while we're on the record? <laughs> I mean, I think all, all of them have an element of strangeness. Yeah, in I don't think so. I mean, I think it's one of those things where every time you read the psalms and you're like, oh, this seems so inaccessible or so strange mm. or so odd. But if you just take that moment to kind of dig a little deeper or maybe to have a conversation with someone about it, like so much of the Lord can be revealed in it and so much of who we are can be revealed in it. And if that's the way you're reading the psalms, I think, you're doing it well. Wow. That's just like a, that's the mission statement of Curious Psalms right there. Olivia wrapping us up oh, beautifully. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's kind of the hope, right? Is, you know, everyone who sits in this room and talks about these Psalms, like with the exception of maybe Libby and Kevin, are not experts <laughs> in the true. Psalms. Like we just sit down and we read and we say, okay, what's, what's in here? And who knows? Maybe sometimes we're wrong. But I'm pretty convinced this was a good conversation. <laughs> so thanks, Olivia, for your yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's conclude with these opening, somewhat mysterious, somewhat open to interpretation verses again, as I just read the, the psalmist relying on the promises on the covenant of God. You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures for it is quaking. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.